Longbox Crusade presents monthly Monday Movie Muckabout because the podcasting world needs yet another movie review show. I am Rick, and I'm sitting up here in the Longbox Crusade attic ready to talk about another movie. And in order to do that, I need to have another person on. And this time, I've decided to bring in Max Traver, one of the fans of my other show that I do, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Max, we've never talked before. How you doing? What's going on? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I've got a cat on my lap and I'm ready to talk about a movie I've never seen. Excellent. <laughs> you uh, don't really have your own podcast, but you started to guest on podcasts like this and other ones. Uh, what made you decide to finally you know, move out of just listening to us and actually talking to us? Well, what hooked me was the weirdness of the first podcast I guested on, Siskoid's Panel by Panel, where he literally was drilling down to just really talk for a half hour about one panel in a random comic book. And I thought, if somebody can do that, it's me. You know, I, I can talk about comics for so far almost 49 years. So I've, I've got that gas in the tank. And that went okay. And then I did another one with Siskoid that was even crazier. And I went even more nuts with it, you know, basing a whole line of comics on one issue of who's who. Mm -hmm. And so I said, all right, you know, I can, I, I can do this occasionally if it's, if it's insane enough. And then this one, I saw, you know, you posting about this one. And I thought that's one of the things my friends are always complaining about is there's these movies they've all seen that are part of the cultural tapestry. And I've just, eh, never found time for him. Like I'm not actively avoiding these movies. And then you made this podcast specifically to go, we're going to force you to watch one of them. You are my target audience. <laughs> and I heartily approve of that. Thank you so much. And, and what better introduction and what better way to just move right into giving you the movie that we're going to watch tonight <laughs> in the attic of the LBC headquarters. Are you ready to find out what that movie is? I sure am. I would like you to watch from 1998, The Big Lebowski, from the Coen Brothers, directed by Joel Coen and produced by Ethan Coen. Now, this movie stars Jeff Bridges, John Goodman, Juliana Moore, Steve Buscemi, David Huddleston, and John Turturro. There's a mess of other people in this film, too, and it has spawned, like you said, memes and memes and memes, and you've seen a lot of it, but you got no clue what it all is about, and why the dude must abide. So tell me, what do you know about this movie? What have you seen? What memes can you uh, pull out? Well, I know that the rug ties the room together. Uh -huh. I know the dude abides. I know Taturo plays a character named Jesus that has a bowling alley. You know, <laughs> I know all these things. And I have seen tons of other Coen Brothers movies. I've like watched their whole oeuvre around the Big Lebowski. And it even looks like a movie I would really enjoy, but it's just never happened. And I feel like I've kind of seen it because of all the stuff people have told me about or the jokes and everything, but I just never actually sat down to watch it. So I think this is going to be very interesting then because you're going to come at it like trying to put those pieces of the puzzle that you've seen in front of you in the sequential order that it belongs in a movie <laughs> that's made by the Coen brothers, which is usually just a little bit left of center field. So... That yeah. should be interesting in and of itself. So I take it that you're a little excited about watching this then. Yeah, I feel like this will force me to scratch like 
you know, an itch that's been there forever. Like occasionally I, it, it crosses my mind when I see these jokes, like I should make time to watch that one day. And then like, or I'll binge this stupid series I'm watching instead, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or I'll work on my, my blog or it's, you know, I play a game with my friends or a million other things. And the big Lebowski has so far always just been pushed out of the spotlight. Well, it's time to bring that spotlight to bear on this fantastic movie from 1998. And I think that we should go ahead and watch it now, as should you lovely listeners out there. So while we play this advertisement, you guys should sit down and pop up your own popcorn and watch the film. We'll see you after the break. Wait, wait let, me, let me explain something to you. Um, I am not Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. You know, uh, that or uh, his dudeness or uh, duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. Are you employed, Mr. Lebowski? Employed? You like sex, Mr. Lebowski. Is this your only ID? You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude. Your name's Lebowski, Lebowski. Jeff Lebowski, the other Lebowski, the millionaire. I received this ransom note this morning. This is a bummer, man. They want you to take the money and act his courier. man. What the hell is this? My dirty undies, dude. The whites. Let's take that hill! Why should we settle for 20 grand when we can keep the entire million? I know you're mixed up in all this. Playing one side against the other in bed with everybody. Blow them. Huh? Fabulous stuff. What? Who's sitting on a million dollars? We want some money. Ah, sitting in the trunk of our car. Where's my damn money? Say, dude, where is your car? Who's got your undies, Walter? This is a very complicated case, Maude. You know, a lot of ins, a lot of outs. Is this your homework, Larry? And I would like my undies back. A lot of uh, strands to keep in my head, man. Whoa! Hey, careful, man. There's a beverage here, eh? I like your style, dude. I have no choice but to tell these bums to do whatever is necessary to recover their money from you. They were Nazis, dude? They were nihilists, man. They kept saying they believed in nothing. You figured, oh, here's a loser, you know, uh, a deadbeat. Well, aren't you? Well, yeah. You cannot drag this negative energy into the tournament. Jeffrey. Bond. Love me. Uh, that's my robe. I'm throwing rocks tonight. It don't matter to Jesus. <laughs> this could be a, a, a lot more a, a, a complex. I mean, it's not just, it might not be just such a simple, uh, you know? And we are back. So we've had an opportunity to sit down and watch the movie. And before we get into Max's impressions of the movie, I want to give just a quick synopsis of the film. Jeff Bridges is Jeffrey, the dude Lebowski, a Los Angeles slacker and avid bowler. He is assaulted as a result of a mistaken identity. And then he learns that a millionaire, also named Jeffrey Lebowski, was the intended victim. The millionaire Lebowski's trophy wife is kidnapped, and he then commissions the dude to deliver the ransom to secure her release. The plan goes awry when the dude's friend, Walter Sobchak, played by John Goodman, schemes to keep the ransom money. 
Subplots include a sex-focused heiress, the leaked tournament with a creepy bowling rival, the slow destruction of the dude's apartment and car, and the death of a friend. And this all makes a very surreal and very trippy film. So, Max, what was your impressions of this seminal Coen Brothers movie? Well, I was very glad to see that it didn't only live up to the hype, but it, it, it really far surpassed it. I ended up being a little angry at actually the fact that this movie for me seemed to have been relegated to the land of endless memes used <laughs> largely by, by morons uh, online. <laughs> um, you know, like, oh, that's just like your opinion, man, or whatever. And it's like, that's always used by some idiot, you know? <laughs> and I felt like this movie deserves so much better than where it seems to have been parked so I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I like Coen Brothers movies anyway, but this was one of the few I had just not managed to see. Well, I'm glad to hear that. And it's very interesting because, you know, as you said that, and as I've kind of been having this conversation with a lot of people right now, a lot of the movies that I'm bringing into this little experiment are movies that are so big and are so in the public consciousness that they do end up becoming meme factories. And this movie is got tons of them i mean how many times have you seen the picture of sam elliott leaning on the bar with the with the the bowling alley behind him saying something that would never come out of this character's mouth right y you yeah. see that all the time but it in re-watching it and in seeing this for the first time you are kind of getting to experience so like oh i've seen those things before but now i see them in context and it's very interesting to me that you recognize that and also kind of are finding a new level of joy and level of anger at the same time <laughs> yeah it's like and i don't know anything about cars but this is kind of like i imagine someone would feel if they saw me driving a corvette <laughs> like just that really understood and loved those cars they would see me driving it and they would just couldn't wait to rip me out of it and slap <laughs> my hands let's go ahead and talk about some of this movie now Tell me some of your highest high points about this movie. One of the, the high points to me was just latching on to what I felt the overall theme was. And maybe it's, it's me reading a bit of my own surroundings and my own life into it, as I guess we're supposed to. But the theme of people who just need to create a sense of meaning out of their lives when there really isn't one. And you have the hmm. dude who is trying not to do that as hard as he can. He's trying to just go with the flow. And then you have Walter who is trying to force huge, important meanings onto things and seem like an expert on everything that comes out of his mouth. And to me, just watching that interplay between those two was a high point for me. I couldn't like nail it down to, I guess, single moments at this point because I just I, I just digested this entire film. But there were there were things like um, I really enjoyed seeing Turturro as Jesus, but I was surprised <laughs> that he's only in like two brief scenes. And people have uh, yeah. made so much out of him that I thought he's in this whole movie. He is quite possibly one of the most inconsequential <laughs> people in this entire film because you never actually see them play in the league against each other either. No, you don't get to see the game, but as far as high points, I mean, I, I know I'm I'm drifting right away from from your question, but you know, to me that was a major high point was was seeing. This, this metaphor for the dude's life, like you mentioned, the slow destruction of his apartment, all his possessions are just uh -huh. eaten away by random 
you know, impartial life events. They have nothing to do with him. He didn't ask to get involved in any of this, and it takes almost everything from him anyway. And it's his yeah. reaction to it that, that is in stark contrast to his friend Walter's, who Walter is raging against all of this and coming up with these schemes and just seeing these two different approaches to life by these two people who are so close but so different from each other. I ran into a weird, my own weird headspace while I was rewatching the film where I started to come up with a theory and just hearing you talk made me throw out the theory and replace it with something else. <laughs> Originally, I was thinking that the dude and Walter and Donnie, played by Steve Buscemi, who does an oh. amazing non-Steve Buscemi role, which is incredible. For those of you that haven't seen it, uh, Steve Buscemi plays uh, Donnie, and this is their the third friend in this bowling league between Walter, the dude, and, and him. And he plays the guy who is always cheerful, he's always happy, he always wants to say something, and he keeps being told to shut up. He cannot get two sentences in, or two words in, before Walter or the dude just tells him to shut up, Donnie, shut up, Donnie, shut up, Donnie. And then, sadly, at the end of the film, he has a heart attack in the middle of a fight, and yeah. I had an interesting theory, though, when I was first watching it, and I was like, wow, I think that Walter and Donnie are kind of the id and ego are the, the the good and bad angels that are on the dude's shoulder. But then I was listening to you talk, and I said, you know what? I think that this movie is all about Donnie, actually, and we're just seeing the two angels on Donnie's shoulder. And that is the dude who has got the laid-back attitude, and you see Walter, who is this firebrand, and he's the devil, and he's always moving them into the mischief and mayhem. And the end of the movie really is about the point in time that Donnie dies. And... And it just kind of everything falls apart. It is it is a, a theory that goes nowhere. <laughs> but that fits in with this movie so well because, the, you know, at the like you said, Donnie dies and then the steam just kind of comes out of everything. The wind goes out of the sails yeah. of the plot. And it's let's take this coffee can and, you know, blow it all over the dude's face. And, and you know, it, it just sort of winds down after that, you know, and, and that's yeah. the point there's not much has changed. Like the last line is like, man, let's go bowling, yeah. you know? And, and that's, and that's another piece of it as well is that these, these characters, uh, like most Coen brothers movies, you take these characters out and you put them back in and not much has changed. Yeah. Their friend's gone, but at the same time they, they've grieved for their friend and then they've moved on and, and everything moves on. There's, there's nothing that really has changed about anything at all, except that there's a little dude that's going to be bored somewhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's, you know, not to get too amateur film school about it. You know, there's a new set of pins that are just going to get knocked down and you know, we can't yeah. ignore the, the prevalence of bowling as a symbol in this movie. Oh, you know, and there are symbols everywhere so in this movie. That's, that's just like, for me, like they drove it home really heavily but it's just you know the randomness of something knocking into things and scattering them all over the place and, yeah. and they just go right back for more of it at the end yes what about the set pieces that they have here i mean we talked a little bit about bowling being very essential but one of the major set pieces is the bowling alley and that's kind of where you got the bowling alley in the dude's apartment and that's those are kind of the pivotal pieces that hold the set together you might say yeah, I mean, other than, you know, brief, you know, the brief uh, sojourn to what is it, Malibu and Treehorn's mm -hmm. party and all that, this could have been 
you know, just a play with two scenes. You know, they don't need a lot of room to range around to tell this story. So I did, and I get that feeling from a lot of Coen Brothers movies that it could have been written as a stage play. Yeah. You know, the, you know, the dude's apartment just slowly coming apart, the bowling balls getting knocked around. It's, you know, you're almost watching with the dude's apartment in his car, a slow motion bowling ball strike happened to his life. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely see that. Is there any other uh, scenes or things that you really got struck with in watching this movie the first time through? I got a lot of enjoyment uh, that I didn't expect out of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman as Brant. As the uh, the assistant to the big Lebowski. I didn't expect he was even in the movie. And then when I saw him and just the utter, just the utter suck upedness that he played and just this, the smiling fakery that, that attitude that, that he portrayed. And there, one of my favorite lines in the movie is when the big Lebowski says to the dude, as Brant is my witness. Yes. (laughs) I just can't believe that that's not one of the longest lasting (laughs) phrases from this movie instead of all the other things that people have pulled out. Like, I want to say that all the time. I did forget, and I do forget that Philip Seymour Hoffman is a part of this film for a lot of the reasons you just said. He is very young, fresh-faced. I mean, really looking at a lot of the people in this film, I I was looking at John Goodman and just, (laughs) oh my gosh, I've seen John Goodman recently. This is peak John Goodman here. But... uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of looking at Philip Seymour Hoffman. I for, you forget how good of an actor he was, and how amazing he could just take small little roles and make them really interesting, and he could just embody that a little bit of Weasley, a little bit of oily, and a little bit of nervousness all in the same kind of package, and he could do it so well, and and yet you could still find him a little bit likable as well. Oh yeah, I was I was really pulling for Brant. I, I I wanted like some secret to be revealed that he was more involved in all of this than it's he seemed to be but but that's part of what this movie's about is like no sometimes there's just no big secret it's it's just no. life happening you know bunny just wandered off she didn't even kidnap herself it wasn't even and big lebowski and the big lebowski was going to take advantage of the situation using the brain dead dude to handle the uh to to, to throw everything off yeah. on and he you know he couldn't have been luckier to 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 have walter as the dude's friend to make things go even more awry you know we keep talking about walter but let's let's talk <laughs> about let's talk about this let's talk about john goodman playing walter the converted jewish vietnam vet who has PTSD and anger management issues and cannot let go of his ex-wife. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) uh, I have some notes on here. Like, you know, his line, I don't roll on Shabbos. And I have here, again, over-identifying with his past and trivia to avoid focusing on his life in the present. Like, he just, all he does is pieces of his past and little bits of trivia so he doesn't have to pay attention to what he's doing with himself right now or what's happening to him right now. Whereas the dude really abides in the moment. He lives in the moment. He is all about what is what is what is affecting me now and will I reflect back on it? You know, he 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 lives right now. And you've got Walter who is living so far in the past that it, that's what drives every part of his his entire being. Yeah. <laughs> I don't roll on Shabbat. 
I, I, I'm taking care of my ex-wife's dog while she's out of town with her new uh, boyfriend, her new husband. It's like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing, Walter? Literally everything is connected to Vietnam. Everything. Yes, yes, yes. Everything's got to be connected to Vietnam. Making a scene of themselves at, at the diner. The entire deal with pulling a gun on the other bowler. And then the scene that I love the most is they walk out of the bowling alley and get to the car while the police come screeching up and run into the bowling alley and they just don't even blink. Not a blinking at all. <laughs> they're not even talking about the fact that they are in, you know, pulling off a slow motion escape from the police. Yeah. His reliance on catchphrases too. Now, he, he really reminds me of some people in my life, both from my generation and the previous one, like my biological father was a lot like this guy, mm -hmm. you know, uh, although not as likable because he wasn't a fictional character, <laughs> but, um, you know, people that just like have these catchphrases that become their identity. Like you're entering a world of pain, son, you know, and just things they say all the time. And it's like, that's not a personality. You're defining yourself by, once again, something you heard in the past and you're going to use it, use it, use it and define yourself by that one thing. Am I wrong? You know, constantly with him. <laughs> Am I wrong? No. We also have Juliana Moore. Yes, yes Maud. And um, <laughs> another surprising person in this film, yeah. that she's in this film, just what a left turn the film takes whenever she is introduced. Yeah. From the first moment, um, the first scene she appears in, I believe I'm sitting there going, wow, that is a kick-ass Walkman that he has. This <laughs> dude is laying on the floor and he's got uh -huh. this really cool, big, chunky black and white Walkman. And I'm just totally focused on that because I remember when those things hit. And then all mm -hmm. of a sudden, there's these three people looking down on him and he gets popped in the jaw. And I thought, is that Julianne Moore? <laughs> <laughs> and we also go into one of the two dream sequences that are amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Julianne Moore. Yeah, Julianne Moore's character in this is something very, very special. She is very interesting and eclectic. And like I said, in a movie that we have have already been introduced to some very fascinating characters, we have somebody that just almost doesn't fit. And yet she fits fine with the movie. Yeah, I, I feel like she's there. Uh, it could have almost been on purpose to balance out the fact that they had almost no real feminine presence in the movie. Like this, this she yeah. she strikes me as they were doing a few drafts and went okay. So Bunny's not great uh, as the only woman in the story. So we should maybe do something here. I'm not sure if that happened, but it, but now that she's in there, I cannot imagine this movie being as good as it is without without Maud in it. Maud fits that hole for for a lot of stuff, yeah. and she also is the glue that kind of allows the dude to put these small little disparate pieces actually together and figure out what's going yeah, that on. That could have been part of it too. Like how do these two morons survive all of this? Well, they're going to need an Oracle, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. So here she comes and she comes flying naked on a harness, slinging paint and screaming, you know, which almost kind of leans into that. She's almost this mythological figure that enters his life, you know? Yes. Yeah. I should ask you this. Is there anything that you didn't like about the film? Is there anything that, that you really had a problem with or, or weren't 
we're not a fan of. No, this one, it's it's tough because every scene had little things like, I want a t-shirt for Carl's band Autobahn, <laughs> like him and Flea's old band. Yeah, every scene had little details, and I have 90 notes on this thing. It's just, it's impossible uh-huh. to get through them all. Like, the lines like, you know, a thousand-year line from Moses to Sandy Koufax, you know, like... It, 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 it's just the the scenes, the lines, everything. I don't really feel like I'm distant enough from the movie. I'd have to watch it again to start picking it apart. But right now, mm-hmm. it has just completely won me over. Like, uh, you know, I'm just, it's like a lot of times when I see a Coen Brothers movie, I'm just utterly smitten with it. Well, I think that leads us quite nicely into our ratings of the film. We rate this film on a how many full bags of popcorn would you give it? One to five, no halvesies, because we are on the Longbox Crusade Network. So tell me, what would you give this film? Oh, I'm, I'm going I'm going the full five on this. I have to. Nice. I have to. Nice. I love Coen Brothers movies, and as it stands right now, this is near the top of the um, eight or nine. I, I did have a list that I have seen. Well, I'm glad. I am very glad about that because uh, this is a... I think this is a very seminal movie for them. I think that this is a little bit different from the other ones that they have done, and it's definitely got a little bit more of the more of the humor element, but it, it definitely is a Coen Brothers movie. There's no mistaking it at all for what it is. I think I can agree with you. I might go a little bit four, but I am very high up there on uh, as well. Before we go, is there any kind of plugs, or is there anywhere else that people can find you on the internet besides, or is it just a lot of random guest stars? No, I, I have a little <laughs> comics blog I've been doing for a little bit, um, maxreadscomics.wordpress.com, and it's really, I just blog about the books I pick up every week, old books, indie books. It's really a way to keep me accountable for all the money and time I spend on comics and to make myself read <laughs> these comics I'm buying. You know, you just like, hey, it's on in-stock trades for 42% off. I'll get this omnibus. And then you just have this thing. So I'm like, I should read these things and and, and blog about them. And I have like a handful of people that chime in. So I know I'm being held accountable. So I just have that little blog and you know, the occasional time when I uh, pop up on someone else's thing and ramble a bit. (laughs) Well, it has been a pleasure to talk to you, and I'm glad that we had this opportunity to spotlight your knowledge and to let you ramble on and also to, you know, find out about your blog as well. Now, as for myself, if you're not listening to me on here, you can find me on Twitter at Jeff Rick Presents or on my other podcast, Unpacking the Power of Power Pack, which I host with my bowling league sanctioned ball buffer, Jeff. I would also like to do a big thank you to the Longbox Crusade Network for letting me use this wonderful attic of their headquarters to broadcast our show and also to their sponsor, Omaha Bound. If you need to bind up all of your pro bowling magazines, there is no better place that you can go besides Omaha Bound. Also, to the Longbox Crusade members who help support this network, thank you, thank you, thank you. And if you would like to join them, head on over to Patreon and search for The Longbox Crusade. For now, though, I want you all to grab the popcorn and pull up a seat because we will be back next month with another episode. Thank you very much and have a good night. Our theme music is The Entertainer by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0 license. 